What is up? Welcome back to the 3C Podcast. It's Friday. You know what that means. Let's go. Another content person on the program. This time, it is a content person who wears that growth hat. I got my man Mark Huber from Metadata on talking about how he thinks about content and designing content while also thinking about growth. I think the lines are blurring between brand and demand, and Mark does a great job of thinking a little bit outside the box and sharing some really good perspective. If you like what I'm doing over here, hit the subscribe button. Tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the 3C podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. What is up, everyone? Welcome back to the 3C podcast. I am excited for this conversation. I'm joined by Mark Huber, who's the director of growth at Metadata. We chatted a while back, then I had a baby, and now we're here talking again. So it was good before we started talking. I know he was busy planning for a big event that they were having, Demand 2021, which I was planning on attending. And then my life got flipped upside down. So we're going to talk about that. But what I want to get out of this conversation is Mark's the director of growth, but we talked before, that's kind of a fluffy general title. I want to dissect his role, especially how he's involved in the content process. But without further ado, Mark, how are you? I'm doing well. I am pretty excited for this. And just so we're clear, you having a baby is probably the most acceptable reason I've heard for not attending demand. So uh, no hard feelings. <laughs> I, I, I appreciate that. I appreciate the free pass. I'll be there. I was there in spirit this year. Yeah, I'll be there all next year for sure. <laughs> so, so when we last spoke, I was catching up and I was like, man, I've seen your stuff. I've loved the No Fluffs Given series. Um, I want to talk about that. Would you be on the podcast? And you're like, I'd love to. We're in the middle of this event. I'd love for you to maybe unpack the the reason why you put on the event and just mm-hmm. your role in the process and how it went to kick it off. Yeah. So I would say we came up with this idea much later than I would have liked. <laughs> so the event was Friday, October 22nd. We came up with the idea mid summer. So sometime in, I think, mid to late July, and we announced it in August. So it was uh, a pretty tight timeline. Now, why we decided to do this event was, like most of us B2B marketers, I register for a ton of events. I very rarely get to go to them, whether it's my schedule or maybe it doesn't sound that interesting at the end. And what I realized after I watched many of these events is the content itself isn't that great. It's usually a pitch slap that's disguised as a presentation. They're trying to get you to buy their software at the end of the day or whatever their, their uh, service or product is. And it's not super actionable. So we had this feeling that there was a desire for really helpful content with no hidden agenda behind it and no product pushing and pitch slapping at the end of the day. And when we started to tease this idea out with our customer advisory board, people were like, yes, I need this. I'm not seeing this right now. So from there, we took it as a, you know, really an idea to a theme, the theme being getting closer to revenue. I think the best marketers right now are either held accountable to revenue or are moving towards revenue and tried to unpack that theme with different areas of marketing uh, that will help you get closer to revenue. So uh, whether it's positioning, whether it's messaging, whether it's working with your CEO uh, to make sure that they understand marketing, whether it's tactical things that you can be doing, whether it's content, which we'll talk about here in a bit, 
we kind of started with the topics first. And then once we figured out what the topics were, uh, we then tried to identify who were the right speakers. And it went off surprisingly well for our first ever virtual event. And I'm kind of scared that we set the bar way too high for your one. <laughs> I uh, uh, So one thing I want to dig into on that yeah. is just, I love the the reason why. And, mm-hmm. you know, we've all been there. We've all uh, sat through these things and been like, yep. this is just a bunch of people talking and pontificating about things. And I don't even know what to do here. And so you yep. came in with intention. You said, we want to do something different. And I think, I guess my question to you is like, I be- I would believe that would be your approach based on some of the other content I've seen mm-hmm. from metadata. Um, yep. But how did you how did you execute that in terms of like the promotion and the positioning behind what you're doing? How did you get the marketer to realize that what they were attending would be a little different than what they might be used to? Yeah, great question. So I think the first part of my answer is uh, transparency. So we were incredibly transparent throughout the announcement process and really the promotion process about the event. And what I mean by that is we were transparent that this was our first several virtual event. We were transparent that we wanted to create an event that we would want to actually attend ourselves. And we said that we have a very high bar for the types of content that we're interested in. So from that perspective, we got countless emails of people saying, I'm even more excited for this just because you are saying that. And then I think the other thing that worked to our advantage was because we didn't have you know, <laughs> as long of a timeline as I would have liked, we announced the event within 90 days of demand actually taking place. We had to announce it without all the details being finalized. And that was scary as hell for me because how do you promote something and not feel like you know, you're selling snake oil? So I actually was very clear in my emails that we did not have all the details finalized. We did not have all the speakers finalized yet, but to trust us because we have a high bar and we are not going to let you guys down and people loved it. I Oh gosh, this tugs at my heartstrings. I want to get, I want to get into <laughs> yep. transparency and authenticity a little later in the conversation. But don't you find that when you're writing email copy or creating content, anything you're doing or promoting this, just like instead of like sitting there thinking about how to do it, just like telling people like what actually is going on, it doesn't it isn't it just easier? Doesn't it just flow easier for you? So now we're giving away some cheat codes, but yes, it is easier and it's more fun because it's just it's who I am. I'm writing as if I'm talking to a friend and being real with a friend and I don't have to, you know, button up um, corporate mark, if you will, and write these, you know, very long-winded sentences with, you know, a bunch of buzzwords. It's just me marketing to other people who I feel, uh, you know, maybe very similar to me. And it's way easier at the end of the day. It, it goes actually pretty fast too, when you're trying to come up with email copy as well. It, it, it does. And I, I love that. And we'll talk a little more about a bit more about that, but let's start here. Okay. So you're the director of growth at, actually, let's take a step back. Why, for anyone who does not know who's listening, talk a little bit about metadata and who you guys are and what you do. Yep. So Metadata is a demand generation platform. Uh, The market really sees ABM platforms as being a category. We're big believers that ABM is something that you do. It's not necessarily something that you can buy. So B2B marketers use Metadata to run all their paid campaigns from a single tool. And then they get to experience, uh, sorry, experiment with their paid campaigns and see which experiments actually result in pipeline and revenue. And the beauty is we connect with Salesforce and your marketing automation platform. So you are not having to go into those channels and move the levers around. Uh, metadata is actually doing that for you. 
That's awesome. And I feel like you, you all are at a very fun stage. I would imagine that you've got some really good customers that are probably coming with you all with some very uh, good ideas and pushing message, pushing product, pushing sales, pushing everyone. Is, is that the case? For sure. I would say this is the earliest stage startup that I've ever worked at. And some of our customer advisory board members remind me that, hey, this is the most fun part. So soak it up. Uh, It's a lot of work, but with the momentum that we have, the product market fit and some pretty uh, loud, happy customers, it's uh, there's some win uh, in our sales right now. And we're just trying to make sure that we keep going in the right direction. That's awesome. So some of my favorite conversations here are with um, not necessarily content marketers. We I talk with content marketers all mm-hmm. day, but but it's it's people within businesses who work adjacently to content marketing, or maybe even just jump in. We yep. talked about your role. Your role is growth. Maybe yep. share some perspective on like your role in growth and and how it marries with just overall metadata, content design, and strategy. Yep. Uh, so I always joke about this. Director of growth is such a vague title. Uh, it can be interpreted in a million different ways. So yes, am I involved in coming up with campaigns, running campaigns, using our own platform, testing campaigns on new channels, for sure. Am I doing a whole lot of things that typically don't fall under growth? Yes, <laughs> probably more of those right now. So more on the product marketing side and more on the content marketing side. And I think for me, uh, one of the things that I realized as I was talking to more of our customers uh, earlier this year, and I, I try to talk to customers each week, is it's not just running you know, paid campaigns. You can create a bunch of ads in the world. You can launch them. If you don't have the positioning, the messaging, and the content, that's the real meat for any sort of growth marketing to work. So that light bulb went on for me in a really big way. And that's when I realized that, hey, we need to start helping both our existing customers and our prospects understand that. I like to make a joke that the only thing that metadata can do is amplify bad marketing if you have bad marketing. So you got to work on the inputs first before you, you know, start to use a tool like metadata. That's that's so good. Um, the now the you know you traditionally you go into a marketing organization and you mm-hmm. you look at how they're structured and you see there's this brand team over here who does the design stuff the content and all the the stuff that makes us look good and then you've got this team over here who's like the demand or the growth team who's trying to generate leads get people in the funnel get those over to the sales team and so that's kind of like the dichotomy that that exists i think as i'm seeing and in hearing you those lines are kind of blurring and those two teams are coming together. I guess just in terms of like measurement metrics, things that you've seen work for you, like yep. how do you get that old school thought of like, I need to generate X leads tomorrow when, you know, content and brand is like working on kind of building the foundation and setting the stage. You've kind of been on both sides. Like how do you yep. see that play out? Yeah. So it's a really good question. I think there's a couple things to to call up first. So one, I'm a, shoot myself in the foot here. It's a little easier for us because we have a three-person marketing team right now. So those traditional silos across those teams can't exist because if they did exist in a three-person team, we'd have some serious issues. So the challenge for us is how do we keep this model working as we're you know growing our team and we're hiring right now um, because we feel like it is working and we know that we need to keep that in place in order to deliver the results that we need to. Now, the second thing is we're big believers in playing the long game with our content. And 
you don't really get to earn those opportunities unless you hit your short-term numbers. So Gil Alush, our CEO, trusts us. And one of the big reasons why he trusts us to double down on content, really brand, is because we're hitting the short-term demand. If we were not doing that, then I don't think we would earn those opportunities to make big investments in content, which we definitely are in 2022. Now for the actual demand model that we use, um, feel free to, to share this in the promo, but we actually gave away our demand model on our site. And I think that reinforces this long game approach that we're trying to play with our content, which is giving a whole lot of way in the short term uh, so that people just know, like, and trust metadata and the faces that make metadata work so that whenever they are in buy mode, because most people are not in buy mode right now, we're already in that short consideration set because we've been giving a, a whole lot of, of good stuff to them without asking anything in return. I love the balance there. I love the uh, mindset of the CEO. It always seems to come down to that. Um, yep. What are the indicators that you see on the long game strategy that might not be, hey, somebody's reaching out to request a demo or they want to buy metadata right now, but things that you see are those signals that you're like, okay, the long game is working. Like what we're doing is right. We need to keep doing it. Yep. So this has been a challenge for us. And it was a challenge for Gil, our CEO, who's uh, an engineer turned marketer who wants to quantify everything to see this. So what we do is anytime somebody responds back to emails that I'm sending out, to our database. Anytime people are commenting on LinkedIn posts, anytime we hear um, you know, mentions of metadata unsolicited, anytime, you know, whether it's DGMG or Pavilion or RevGenius, where there are comments in there about metadata. Now, at first it was, let's just make sure that you know, we're getting those sorts of, of comments and positive reinforcement. And then once we realized like, okay, we've got something here, then we needed to make sure that that qualitative feedback was coming from you know, the right people that we're trying to attract. So for us, it's balancing the quantitative stuff that is easy to quantify with the qualitative stuff, you know, dark social, whatever you want to call it, that matters. And showing a full story with the stuff that you can quantify and the stuff that you can't, but you can show real people are saying was really helpful in building trust with our CEO. Oh man. That like we, uh, we might need to do a whole nother episode on uh, that topic. For sure. <laughs> I could go so deep in that and love it. And if anyone that like, this is the type of stuff I've been talking a lot about. So people out there, like take note of what Mark is saying. I guess my, my primary takeaway from you is that the way metadata is looking at attribution and tracking isn't okay this is how every this is how people do it in SaaS and we need to go follow someone else you're like deeply thinking about what metrics matter to your business and then trying to figure out how do we take all of this data and then communicate it back internally and externally to show signs of success and signs that we need to keep doing this I feel like the clip of Will Ferrell in old school when he's debating and he goes, yeah, that was perfect. We have no rebuttal. Yes, I agree. Uh, and I think the one thing that I didn't mention that makes it even better is our sales team. Like they get it. They get how all of this works. They will share uh, recordings. Uh, we use Chorus. So they'll show different call recordings of, you know, 30 second, uh, you know, however long clips with us. And we'll hear from people who 
maybe, you know, aren't typically interacting with our stuff on social, but they say that they see it, they look forward to it. And there's a whole lot of value in that. So that's one last thing I wanted to mention. Awesome. Okay. So let's jump back into transparency, jump back into content, paint a a picture to the listener. Now I was prepping for another interview and I went to the juice, I'm plugging our Mm -hmm. own platform and I typed in Devin Reed. I typed in Devin Reed in the juice and the first result was no fluffs given series from metadata, Devin Reed. So I clicked the post and I read it and I was like, okay, I love this content. This is exactly how I like to produce content. It's real authentic. And I feel prepared before I meet Devin that I know kind of what he's about and mm-hmm. uh, like what his strategy is. So like I read that, then I clicked on metadata and I started looking. I was like, wow, there's a whole series. So I started diving in and there were people that I've seen from afar and reading their mindset and mentality. And I was like, this is great content. Like there's Mark. I need to reach out to Mark and talk with him. And that's kind of what led us uh, mm-hmm. to, to be connected. Now, I'd, I'd love to, to talk about the No Fluffs Given series and like what the origin story was on, on uh, your end and like how all of the coordination happened. Because to me, mm-hmm. this is an excellent series that is a kind of a playbook from afar of like content facilitation done right, highlighting other people and brands and their stories. So I'd love to like make sure we give some airtime to the series and just like your role in it. Yep, for sure. Uh, This should be fun. So where it started, I'm going to get on my soapbox for a little bit and then I'll jump off and actually get into this. So all B2B marketing, or at least the, the loudest B2B marketers are on LinkedIn. And I think some people take different approaches. Some people take the, I'm going to post daily uh, and you know, in some ways game the algorithm and post very fluffy posts that really have no substance to it. I am not one of those people. I can't stand it. I think our audience can't stand it. Some people love it, but that's just not me. So the idea of just all this fluffy you know, thought leadership that exists on LinkedIn, we wanted to do the exact opposite of that. So how can we provide really helpful B2B marketing content uh, without the fluff. And that's where the the title came from. Now, um, like I had mentioned earlier, as I was sitting on calls with customers and prospects and whatnot, uh, what I realized was these people wanted to make investments in metadata and start running paid ads, yet they didn't actually have good marketing already in place. So if you look at, I think we ended at 10 total topics in No Fluffs Given. They're intentionally different topics of different areas to help you run better campaigns. So I was trying to tackle, you know, a different component, whether it's positioning, whether it's direct response, copywriting, whether it's content distribution, whether it's running paid ads and a whole lot more. So the whole series when stitched together kind of tells a full story that should help you run better campaigns. Now, figuring out who I wanted to reach out to was difficult because part of the reason why we did this in the first place was it was just Jason Woodup and myself at that time. We launched this in, I think it was early April of 2021. So we have all these other things that we're trying to work on as a marketing team, a two-person team, and we still need to get content out the door and we need to start making a name for ourselves. So how do you do all of that? Well, the first few posts that we had were from metadata customers and they were willing to you know, do us a solid because they were on our customer advisory board. Now, for many of the people that I reached out to, I didn't actually know prior to working on this series with them. So what I did was I got a few of these posts out the door first and then used those posts as social proof to show, 
hey, Devin Reed, you know, you don't know Mark Huber, but we've had all these names on here. Would you like to join us? And thankfully he said, yes, that was probably my favorite piece in the whole series. But taking that relationship first approach to our content has paid off dividends with those speakers that we used at demand. And then just, you know, the rest of our content strategy too. I love that. I think, so what I like about it, and I'm a big believer of this is that you didn't, I love the social proof component, but then you didn't just like go to these individuals and like think, okay, well, we need to get our name out there. We need to use your voice and we're going to use you and then we'll move on. Like it's a long game, right? You're, you've, yep. you're building these relationships and you, you're plugging them into, okay, now we've got this bench and they're, they're advocates and they, they wave our flag or share in a similar mindset or message. Yep. So now we can go plug them into demand 2020. And then I'm building these other relationships mm-hmm. so we can, we can plug them into our next event uh, next year. How, like, that's something I feel like that is not discussed enough, but it's this idea that it's, it's not co-marketing, but it's like, relationship building and long-term collaboration. How do you, how do you get, you know, you, your team bought into this like long-term vision of what's possible by just having one conversation or one post that can lead to like advocacy mm-hmm. for the long-term? Yep. Uh, so that's a tough one. So I would say a lot of it is using, I'm a, I'm pretty open about this. I'm a big Dave Gearhart fanboy. So a lot of it is showing Jason and Gil, hey, you know, here's how Dave has done this before at Drift and at Privy and what he's doing now at DGMG. He's giving away how to do it. He's very clear on how to do it. Most companies uh, and teams either don't want to put the time in to do it or are scared of the amount of work that it takes. I wanted to die on that hill. And I said, hey, trust me, I'm going to stick my neck out here and I will show you that this works. And we've been blown away at, you know, it's not easy by any means. It takes time and the relationships take time, but it's paid off immensely. So showing, you know, I'd say social proof from how others have done this before uh, has really helped us pick up steam. Uh, And it's now if I go to, you know, Gil or Jason with a question like this, it's a no brainer. It's like, yeah, go do your thing. I trust you. Yeah, that's uh, I love the Dave Gerhardt example. It's been proven out. Might as well <laughs> you, you, you use it. He's giving yeah. you the secret. So I love uh, the trying to build uh, your internal case by uh, leveraging yep. uh, what he's already done. Can you talk a little bit about maybe some like results that you've gotten from that campaign? Like, what are some of those like uh, uh, brand metrics or maybe even demand growth metrics that you've seen by just like diving in? giving people your platform and kind of help distributing the content with them? Yep. So I would say a couple of things that I can share. One on like the qualitative side of things, it comes up all the time on chorus calls that we hear. So that's the the first easy part. And we actually don't gate anything on our site today. Um, The only thing that we would gate is something that requires you to register for an event. So if it's a webinar or demand, And for us, it's been difficult because, you know, if you just remove all of the gates overnight, you could do that. No one's preventing you from doing that. But then your metrics change and what you can show is what's working and what's not working um, changes significantly. So for us, because we're playing the long game and ungating everything, I think those 10 posts really are some of the best pieces of content that we have on the site. We've been looking at the number of organic demos, uh, organic and direct demos um, that have been generated by way of the website since we launched this series and the website in mid-April. 
And without giving away the numbers, it's been a significant increase month over month since. And again, it's tough because those first few, let's say three months, you're like, all right, well, leads per se are going down. We're not gating anything. How do we show impact? And you know, we had to get creative with other uh, ways to generate demos in that interim. But now we're trying to become less reliant on using you know, incentives to offer people demos with metadata and more so trying to hook them with our content. You hear that, everyone? It's a growth guy talking about having no forms on the site and still <laughs> quantifying things. I love that. Mark, b- b- take us home with this. I'd love to get your perspective in closing just advice for people in growth roles or just marketers in general in terms of like collaborating with content people. I feel like the more people and teams are collaborating with the content marketer, the better results they're getting. I know you've kind of sat on both sides mm-hmm. of that, but just share some, any, any advice on from people listening that might not be specifically in a content role, but might work yep. with them. Yeah. So where would I start? I would say one look to any of the communities that are out there and you don't necessarily have to post right away, but you can lurk and get ideas around content and then start to soak up as much as you can and go to your content team or your content marketer and take some of these ideas and just riff on them with them. I'm a big believer of stealing. I'll have, uh, again, I have no shame in there. As long as you're taking it and trying to put your own spin on it, make it marginally better. So when you come prepared to meet with your content team with ideas instead of just, Hey, you know, can you, we need more content. Like that's the worst possible thing that you can say because uh, (laughs) no one wants to hear that. Now, the second thing that I would say is it's cliche. And I think a lot of people say it, but very few people actually do it is talking with prospects and customers and truly understanding the person that you're marketing to at the end of the day. Because when you and your content team can go in on you know, personas together and you have the same exact understanding of each, you're speaking the same language and it's way easier to get good content out the door because you know what's going to land with your audience. Good tips, good advice. Before I let you get out of here, I know you just had an event, but what else is metadata doing that you can plug? And then also where can people go to find you and learn more? Yep. Uh, feel free to connect with me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'm happy to help, uh, whether it's in DMs or whenever I have time, just to make people better marketers. It's We're playing the long game here. Now, as things that I can plug, I don't know when we're launching this episode, but uh, we are launching a podcast that's been in the works for uh, a little bit of time at the start of the new year. And we are very, very pumped about it. Um, it is going to be a podcast for people who need to generate pipeline and revenue with specific themes for each episode to help you steal from us and again, play the long game. So it's fun. We've been working on the episode format. We're pretty excited about it. We're starting to bank some of our first episodes right now. I need a new marketing podcast to listen to. And that topic and theme sounds like one that's up my alley and I'm sure a lot of other people's too. So when this does go live, we'll plug all that information in the show notes. Yep. Mark, this this was awesome, man. Thank you so much. We'll have to get you back on. There's so many topics that I could have gone deeper on. Um, oh yeah. So a little bit of time, but thanks so much, man. This was awesome. We'll have you on Demand Gen U when we get a chance to. That's the podcast name. Awesome, man. Take care. Thanks. When I got done with that conversation with Mark, I went directly over to Slack and started sharing some of the things that I learned from him in this conversation with the people that I work with. Really smart dude. Make sure you go check out what Metadata is doing. I love 
their content. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. We'll be back on Monday with another episode.